He wants to bring paradise to our planet. He wants to stop him. Nth Man, the Ultimate Ninja, by Larry Hama, Ron Wagner, and Fred Fredericks, starting in April from Marvel. Tiamat Copyright, 1989, Marvel Entertainment Group, Incorporated, all rights reserved. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. And I am Tim. Just sit right back and you hear a tale of a random banter ship. Random Banter time, my friends! Talk to me. Tell me tall tales or exciting adventures. Tell me of your pandemic plan. With the Rick and the Jeffrey, too. <laughs> and the Tim Bedeer. And his wife. <laughs> and and Clark Kent and Professor Bruce Wayne. Professor Tim <laughs> and Mary Tim. The comic books and power pack. <laughs> I'm not even going to dignify that with an answer. Of course, you know where that's from. Yep. Do you know why? Um. Oh. Ooh, 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 I know why. I know. I know. Why. I know. I know. Go, go, okay. Tim. Tim. Guess, Tim. Tell please. us. Please. Because there's oceans. There are oceans. <laughs> there are. What else are there? And there's things in oceans. There are, in fact, and, things in oceans. And things in the ocean oh, 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 that that people live on. No. No. There's a guy in here who's wearing a a captain's cap. The actual answer is because Kurt Russell is a young man uh, guest stars on in, in this issue, I believe. I may have been reading a different comic. I'm not fully sure. You, you may have been watching Disney Plus. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I, it, I'm pretty fuzzy anymore about what's happening in my life, so yeah, maybe it's that. Fair. And there's a baby Yoda. and <laughs> They go to an island. They go yes. to an island. An island. It's, uh, and not a three-hour tour. No, it's no. not a three-hour tour at all. They're on a boat. They go to an island. There is a professor. There's a couple. And their drive is longer than that. Yes, so. it is. Six hours. Last episode, we were talking to John Bogdanov. And we <laughs> mentioned... You talked to John Bogdanov? Yeah, we didn't invite you. Yeah. <laughs> what? We asked him a cheese question. <laughs> we did it's ask like him you were a cheese there. question. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. yes. You can't that, not you ask better? that cheese. Yeah, I know you asked that cheese question. Because <laughs> like, that have... Patreon money was... I was Exactly. I put that Patreon money up there talks. for that. That cheese does Thank toss. you. I'm like, All right. you know, I've got notes here That's I want right. to ask you about Power Pack, but mm, mm, we're going to ask you about money cheese. Money walks and talks and wants to know about cheese. <laughs> exactly. Well, welcome back, Tim Price, All our first cheese. double guester. That's double guester, not double cheeseburger. Uh, we should say that for the month of June... And the reason why he's here is that he made a very, very nice donation, which we matched to the bail fund. As we said, we were going to do we did that with all of our Patreon donations. But Tim, he put his money on the line and we matched that. Because of that, we also invited him back onto our show because it was a, such a nice gesture and we really appreciated it, it. And also, we do like having you, man. You are, yeah. you have been a very <laughs> stalwart fan of ours for many, many years and you yeah. always come through with comments and it is always enjoyable to talk to you and see you, my friend. Yeah. 
Now, thank you very much for having me on the show again. I love to be, I love this show, of course, so much. And always great to interact with you guys on the internets. <laughs> and you were really doing a great cause. And I was glad to do my part. So, you know, it's like, I know you're probably going after when I, when I, with the amount I put out there, and you're like, and we have to debt match this. <laughs> so there, there may have been a couple of other, there may have been a couple of other expletives, but I was like, well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> called our bluff. He called me out on it. Not a problem. It was a good cause. It was a good gesture. And I did not mind doing it at all. So thank you very much. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're coming, coming to talk with us about this book, especially after, I think it, played very nicely with us interviewing John Bogdanov last issue and then talking about this one that is, I I think that this one's very personal. I mean, he put a lot of his personality and the things he really loves into this book. Not that he didn't do great work on those other books, but I think there's a lot of his personality in this book. So it kind of feels good that we did that nice interview with him too. But I am getting way, way ahead of myself. We need to stop <laughs> for a second and go back Two episodes, because we're talking like it was one episode ago, but it was only two episodes that we did back-to-back John Bogdanov interview. But let's go back a couple issues where the last time we talked about a Power Pack comic book, and we can only do that if Jeff gives us a two-sentence replay of that issue. Two teens named Juan and Marjorie run away from their abusive homes in russet corners and head to New York where they near immediately have to be saved by Cloak and Dagger from gang members who are going to forcefully show them a good time. During the scuffle, Dagger has the amnesia knocked into her, so the teens take her to a shelter where they are kidnapped the very next day and taken to a different, horrible, abusive shelter where they are separated and physically or mentally tortured until Juan and Marjorie escape and decide to head back to Russet Corners because they now know that they can handle their problems at home as long as they stick together. Now that the uh, for real, Cloak, Dagger, and Power Pack were also in this issue fighting some guy named Cadaver. Two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? I think that you did a much better job of summarizing that issue than the issue did in telling its own story. Good job, Jeff. But to move that memory out of our memories, let's go ahead and talk about a beer. And I know that... Uh, Tim, not only being quite a ways away from us, but also that Tim is not a drinker. Tim has brought something that is non-alcoholic, and I can't wait to see that. But first, Jeff, if you would like to release your beer from its captivity of paper bags and show the world what you got. All right, let's see. Let's. Ooh, gigantic brewing company. Playdate. (laughs) This is ale made with fruit aged in bourbon barrels. That is an amazing looking label on that. That is pink and colorful, and it's got a three-eyed frog riding a five-eyed rabbit in a box on a turtle <laughs> riding on a <laughs> che- a golden cheese curly trail amongst a cloud, purple cloud filled with pink fang dog giraffes with like eight eyes each this is a, a psychedelic mess and it is lovely it is not the play date that i would want but it's the play date that i have so why would i possibly choose a beer called play date for this issue because they're having a play date they're going on vacation and who are they having a play date with Franklin! Franklin's coming back, back. he's getting to go on Yay. vacation with the powers his only friends I thought it was because I was coming for a play date with you guys. Also because Tim has once again got the you you figured it out when we didn't award. That's two of them. <laughs> two, two of them. 
two yes. of those awards because you figured out wow. the, the real reason. We're having a play date. There's three of us all together, and we're going to have a play date, and we're going to talk about comic books because pff, that's what I want to do. So that that is yeah. that is the reason I bought the beer because there was a play date with Mr. Franklin Richards. But that's what we brought, and while we are pouring this into our glasses, Tim, why don't you tell us and the wonderful people out there in the world what you brought to the show? I, it, I would be glad to. And it's also, you know, amazing to me that I am your first uh, double guest. And yet somehow I also like the only non-drinking guests you have on the show. So kudos to you guys for being open-minded in that regard. Because I know it's like, I appreciate that you, you being, you know, so so kind to, to my sort. But what I brought here is actually, it says it's beer on the on the, on the label, though. Oh. It does. It says right at the bottom. Oh, it says ginger beer. Nice, good, so good call. Ginger beer. I like but me a good ginger beer. That's 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 that's, that's the same thing, right? Oh yeah, as, yeah. As what you're close okay, enough. Yeah, yeah. This is Jones cane sugar soda. Yeah. Oh, okay. Jones always beer. makes interesting stuff. And the if you look at the picture on the label, you might see we have. I believe they are otters. Oh, ah. yes, they are. I'm like, is that a snail? No, that's a seal. Nope, no. those are otters. Otters. And that also does have... It's not directly related to something that we have in the book. But, you know, there are wild creatures that yeah. play a significant part in this issue. So, I've they have, you know, of course, this particular brand, they have all sorts of pictures on all mm. the bottles that are different. They don't have the same on any two bottles usually, that I saw mm-hmm. in my store. They had a whole bunch of different ones. So it's like I saw this picture. It's like, okay. No. That, yeah. You yeah, have cute You have cute animals on the cover of your beer, your ginger beer, and there are cute animals on the cover of this book that we are going to cover. So there you go. Jeff, what are you thinking about our very strong smelling? Because uh, I should mention, too, that this is a... Played it by Gigantic Brewings. It's a cocktail beer that weighs in at 8% ABV and features fruity pomegranates and ginger, huh? melded ah. and mellowed by months spent in bourbon barrels. Can you tell that there are bourbon barrels in here, Jeff? It's a very flat beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is flat. So it's a very flat beer. It's got a little bit of sedimentary in there, and it's kind of a, it's a translucent. Yeah, almost amber. Yeah, it's an amberish color. It's kind of uh, like your classic honey color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you open that up and you're like, there is definitely fruit in this ale. So you yep. can really smell. It's pomegranate probably is a great yep. descriptor for that scent, but it is just, it's like generic fruit aroma. Yeah. So you have that generic fruit aroma and then uh, tasting it is, it's a little bit sharper than, yes. it, it's not a real smooth beverage. I'm not really getting, you know, actually uh, like a minute after taste is a little bit of the bourbon barrel. Yeah. I smelled more of the bourbon barrel when I opened it, but then mm-hmm. drinking it, I, it, it seems like it has gone away. And you're right about that sharp taste. It's it's yeah. not unpleasant, but it's it, very... It's it, a pucker. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of pucker, and it's got that little cut of, yeah. of, 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 of citrus in there. That That's really good. That's really overpowering pretty much everything else. It's, it's very much... You get the pomegranates, you get the sharpness of the citruses, and then later on, you kind of get that little bit, little bit of kick from that that bourbon barrel. But that's what we're tasting. What yeah. about you and the ginger? Really, very good. It's a nice ginger flavor in it, and if you and looking at it, it's like that. Quick up to my light. That is a lot darker than your typical ginger ale. It's a very golden 
color through there and it's not letting a lot of light through. So that's really pretty great. And it's got a lot more punch to it than, than your average ginger ale. So I'm liking it. Well, that'll keep you up because you're about three hours ahead of us. So that'll keep you up <laughs> as we go into the wee night hours on this wonderful Saturday night. No, I need my I need my beauty sleep though. <laughs> we all I can, do. I, will I mean, get, look I will at get us. tired. I will get very tired as we go along. I need my beauty sleep eventually. If that get, if that's the case, man, we we all need a lot of beauty sleep yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so let's go ahead and go along here. And now, Jeff, the opening credits, if you please. Power Pack issue number forty-eight, August nineteen eighty-nine. Dolphin Dreaming. Credits: John Bogdanov, artist and writer. Hilary Barda, inker and embellisher inks. Joe Rosen, on letters. Glennis Oliver, on colors. Carl Potts, on drums. Tommy D, road manager. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. Destroyer, disintegrates with focused efficiency. Julie Power, a.k.a. Molecula, mistress of density, floats with air-like smoothness. Jack Power, a.k.a. Counterweight, punches with percussive force. Katie Power, a.k.a. Starstreak, flies with musical grace. Franklin Richards, a.k.a. Tattletail, he's made his comeback! Hooray! Guest starring, the Power Parents, barely concealed hippies who are now raising four kids that have superpowers. But they don't know they have superpowers. But they know the Fantastic Four have superpowers. Reed and Sue Richards, they have superpowers. But they are trying to live a normal life in the burbs with their child, who also has superpowers. Hey, Rick. Uh, what did you say about Franklin? What do you mean? Oh, I mean, what did you say about Franklin? That he's made his comeback? Don't call it a comeback! Franklin's been here for years, battling snarks and battling his fears, making Master Mold fall down like a buffoon. Listen, Powerballs, go boom! Okay, um, noted. I won't call it a... Come back. Thank you. We are going to review this comic at some point, right? Yes. Yes, Tim, we are. So, while the parents are out, the kids clean house by using their powers and jamming the tunes, with the music turned up to a gentleman's 11. Play that funky music, Starscreet. Yeah! As Katie flies around with a boombox playing some old-school Alice Cooper who is proclaiming that the educational institutions are dismissed for the months of June, July, and August. Thank you. Julie is playing a literal air guitar as she is in cloud form, and Jack is drumming on the counter while floating above it. I guess the only one who is actually cleaning is Alex, who is disintegrating his old school work. This just in. Alex is being a big old sourpuss. He snaps at his siblings as they goof off reminding them that they should be packing. Hmm, I wonder what has Alex in such a huff? The younger powers posit that Alex is just miffed that he has to be away from Allison, his beauteous and perfect girlfriend, for the summer. But Alex says that it actually is because he's worried that Power Pack will be needed. They're superheroes, gosh darn it! What will happen if they are gone and the city needs them? Gee, Alex, I don't know how New York could cope. But maybe the Avengers, or Spider-Man, or Luke Cage, or... Daredevil, or any of the hundreds of other heroes that live in the air can handle it, or maybe even Dakota North. After all, that girl's got moxie. With a huff and a puff and a real mature tossing of a pile of foreshadowing, I mean newspapers, Alex storms off to sulk and brood like any good child working through puberty. 
It seems that Alex has been looking at some news reports of beaches being closed because of pollution. In fact, one of the beaches being talked about was the beach where they used to live. Maybe. So what? We're not even going there this year. You know Mom and Dad have some big secret plan cooking. Yeah. While the kids are pretty much teaching expert classes on hiding things from their parents, Maggie and Jim continually roll ones when trying to be sneaky. The kids all know that they will be going to Maine based on the brochures lying around. Speaking of the happy parents, they show up in the apartment to the round of applause from the studio audience. Huh? What? You guys don't read comics with sitcom soundtrack running in your head? No? Your loss. Anyway, the youngest kids greet the parents with hugs while Alex challenges his dad about why he's not doing more to stop bad things happening in the world. While Jim and Maggie donate money to environmental groups, they really do not know what else they can do. I mean, it is not like they have superpowers. But with the money that they do not donate to good causes, or to that gimmick they call bills, they get to use to go on a vacation. A very special, secret vacation the location of which the kids will never, ever, ever guess. Maine, right? Maine, right? Maine, right? Maine, right? Okay, maybe not so special and not so secret that the kids will never guess? The parents are a little crestfallen that the kids know their secret holiday plans. But that is okay, as they have another secret in their pocket that they have also bought a used... Brand new car! That really was inevitable, wasn't it? Hey, Tim Price? Come on down. Price is right. Get it? Yeah. Yeah, Tim. We got it. The kids react to this news with stars and wonder in their eyes. Since living in New York, they have not had any reason to own a car, so this is probably really exciting. At least until you turn the page. And see... A not new car! You know this joke is only going to get so much mileage, right? Yeah, kind of regretting my choices. Unlike Jim, who is proud of his used, green, wood-paneled Jeep Wagoneer. Hey, it, hey, it, it's a heap! The kids, not so much. Jim thinks it is funky. Julie agrees with the funky assessment and also wonders if it runs. Jack is concerned that it will not make 90. And Maggie was holding out for a four-wheel drive minivan. Knowing Dad, I guess we're lucky he didn't bring back a VW microbus with day-glow flower decals. I think it's neat. Jim defends his choice by saying it is a classic and that it will be good, reliable transportation. And there's the fact that the car looked lonely and that it needs this family, which is definitely a reason to buy a certain car, I guess. But... Enough of that for now. Time to pack and get ready. There is one more surprise waiting for the family. Someone else is coming with them on their vacation. Someone else is coming with them? Cool! I wonder who it could be. Man, good question. I mean, it could be just about anyone. Well, probably not Carmody, but it could be the Punisher. Ooh, it could be Kofi. It could be Cloak and Dagger. It could be literally anyone. I hope it's Wolverine. You two have seen the cover of the issue, right? What does that have to do with anything? To answer that, the next day, the car trip officially starts with the customary singing of 10 million bottles of beer on the wall, and Katie asking if they're there yet. So, 
After a small side trip to Stamford, they arrive at the Richards' house and see Franklin. Hooray! Hugs abound as they find out Franklin is coming with them for this trip. And with some quick goodbye hugs, Reed and Sue clock out of the issue, recording just four panels in total. Wow. They are taking hints from Spider-Man for cameos. Now we enter the montage with National Lampoon's Holiday Road playing as a Wagoneer cuts through a forest with a mass of word balloons recording the five kids in a car with no electronics on a road trip. I will spare you the torment of these words as anyone who has car traveled with family knows them, and those that haven't don't need to be exposed. It was a dark time, folks. Dark, dark times. The six-hour road trip was shoved into one panel, and we now get to the arrival in Maine and the public beach. Not wasting any time, the men whip off their shirts and are ready to dive into the water. The ladies prefer some modesty and choose the bathrooms. But after all of the changing has occurred, they head to the beach only to find it closed. Denied! Well said, Wayne. The beach is filled with dolphins. They have beached themselves and are covered with weeping ulcers and burns. A volunteer from the WWF who is on scene stops the family and explains what has occurred. Do they give the family a DDT? This is World Wildlife Fund, Rick. Not wrestling, professional, or otherwise. Oh, my bad. The bottom line is that it is pollution. There is no one culprit. Because of illegal dumping, runoff from fields and roads, and a host of other things all contribute to muddying the true point of contact. But even though it may be a mystery... The number of cetacean beachings has increased all over the world for years. The volunteer explains that the best they can do is just to try to keep the dolphins wet until they can get the equipment to drag them back to the sea. Needless to say, this puts a damper on the fun. Boo! Jim and Maggie retired the family to a nearby restaurant, but the kids are really not hungry. They're not even interested in hearing their dad's information on improvements on wildlife rescuing techniques that... Yeah, whatever. The kids ask if they can go out and play. Once outside, it is costumes on! And all of a sudden, the Power Kids are gone, and the world-famous superheroes Power Pack are here. I wonder where the kids went. Um, Tim, you do know the kids are Power Pack, right? Really? How can you tell? Maybe the superpowers. Or they have the same names. Or because they aren't wearing masks. It's been 48 issues, man. Context clues! Huh, never noticed before. Well, that puts a different spin on things. Anyway, using Julie's cloud power to cover their movements, the team hits the beach and gets to work. Jack and Katie double-team to lift the dolphins and place them back in the ocean, while Alex helps delete some rocks that are pinning a dolphin. And meanwhile, Franklin is talking to the dolphins, and they seem to be listening. Hmm, odd. More than odd, Frank seems to go into a trance as he is holding a dolphin. Luckily, Alex is able to grab him before the tide takes him away. The kids finish repopulating the ocean with dolphins, and Alex shoots off a powerball to scare the nice people that were helping on the beach. They then beat feet back to the restaurant and change back just before the power parents leave the restaurant. Nice! The parents even give doggy bags for the kids, which is good, because saving the wildlife is hungry work. Later that night, everyone sleeps well in their tent campsite. Well... Everyone except Franklin, who's having unsettling dreams. Insert ominous music. Uh, why did you just not edit in some ominous sounds or have me do a music cue or something like that for you? Lazy and tired. Plus, I thought this would be funnier. 
It really isn't. Well, now this is just awkward. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, wait. How's this my fault? The next morning, the traveling powerberries pull up on the dock of the Laura B. They unload all their supplies into the boat. You see, the last surprise the parents have is that they will all be spending the next three weeks on Monhigan Island in a cottage with no phones, TV, or electricity. Doesn't that sound like a great time? No. No, it doesn't. Oh my gosh. How are the kids going to listen to our podcast? Uh, well, uh, that sentence and concept actually just gave me a headache. And speaking of not feeling good, Franklin is still upset, and he thinks it is because of the dolphins. No time for that now. They have to make it to the island dock and are soon admiring all of the random non-player characters they can soon interact with. What a bunch of characters! And in no time at all, as they're exploring the island and talking about all the hiking, swimming, and great outdoorsy stuff they can do, Jack makes his position known. I'm bored! When can we leave? Like all parents, the powers try to excite the kids by pointing out that the island is full of kids that are not bored. And as if on cue, a small parade of kids go by in a cacophony of noise. Rumble! Crash! Zoom! Crash! Drop! Trample! Meanwhile in outer space... Home of the mostly forgotten subplot. The book jumps to a one-page break where we see our favorite herd of horse aliens discussing the continued deterioration of Friday. For those who may not remember, Friday sacrificed himself way back in Power Pack 25. The kids were able to find Friday's spark, but now, before they can install the smart ship conscious into a new body, it is failing. And the techno-healers, Beryl and Lord Yurik, are about ready to give up on Friday surviving. Kofi, being an impetuous little foal, prances off screaming, Friday can't die! Until he grows hoarse. He won't take nay for an answer, and he hoofs out of there. Ah, uh, continuing our fine tradition of horse jokes when we talk about the Chimelians. You know you made us proud, right? Yes. Yes, I do. Kofi has an idea. He thinks that the only hope Friday has of recovering is out among the stars. So he does what he always does, and steals a spaceship to complete his self-appointed mysterious quest. Hmm. I wonder where he's going and what he's looking for. You two do remember that the last time he stole a ship, that he went out to find four small children who live on a planet far, far away, right? Out among the stars, you could say. Yeah, but what does that have to do with this mysterious quest? Okay, let me put it this way. You two do remember that this is a Power Pack comic, right? Yeah, but like Jeff said, what does that have to do with this mysterious quest? I would like to say that it has a big something to do with it. But mostly I just want to move on. Moving on. Interlude over. And now we get into the dark part of the book. Because it is night, the pages are mostly done in black, and it is a bit creepy. I was really wondering where you were going to lead that sentence to, but it just kind of led you there instead, didn't it? Well, I blame the scriptwriter for not drinking enough coffee. Oh yeah? Well, watch or listen to this. Night has fallen across Monhegan Island. The quiet sounds of nature fill the pleasant summer air. 
the cozy cottage offers the visitors a blanket of security and peace. Even the jaded power boys have come to recognize that it is affecting them in a positive way as they lay in bed, commenting that their friend Franklin is sleeping and appears to be having a happy dream. Meh. I give it a six. A six is generous. You get a five from me. It was bunk. If I were there, it would be a two. Moving on. Franklin is asleep, and he is dreaming, and his dreams are in black with yellow highlights. He dreams of dolphins swimming in the depths. He does not dream of dolphins. He dreams he is a very young dolphin swimming with his family. But I don't see a pipe-smoking, number four-wearing dolphin going off to do super science. Are we sure it is his family? It is, because I think he is dreaming he is a dolphin with a dolphin family. Not a dolphin with a fantastically super-powered dolphin family. Although I really want to see that comic book now. Two things. One, huh, I see what you mean. And two, I also agree with you. The dolphin dream goes deeper than a normal dream. And in fact, is one of his special dreams. He is the dolphin experiencing their language and understanding it to be an ancient song of life and love. He is truly immersed and integrated in this dolphin family, and as such, is not just shunted off to another book for plot convenience and abhorrent parenting skills. The peace and tranquility is interrupted by a bad taste in the water, and this dream, this beautiful dream, turns into a nightmare. The baby dolphin begins to feel nauseated and dizzy. He tries to ignore it, and he struggles to keep up with his family in their desperate flight to outrace the spreading, cloying miasma. With child-eyed bewilderment, he tries to understand why the sea, the dolphin's medium of life, would suddenly want to hurt them. Franklin, as dolphin, begins to experience sickness and dying, so that he may breathe the other dolphins buoy the listless baby up, the way all dolphins do, refusing to accept death. But many others are sick now too, rolling on the poison soup. They begin to sink... Soon, there are more dying than are left able to buoy them up. Pink mammalian lungs exhale air for the last time and fill with the thickly toxic water. Those left with strength enough turn and head for shore to plead with their tormentors. The others drift to the bottom, a silvery gray snow settling onto the poisonous silt. Ultimately, even a mother's strength is not enough. The weight of PCBs and hydrocarbons, heavy metals and radiation, human sewage, disease and garbage takes its toll. Blind and sick, she falters only slightly. Her baby slips, and the cold little form drifts into the darkness below. Flashback to the cottage bedroom where Franklin is choking, gagging, and sobbing. Jack and Alex try to wake him from this horrible, horrible dream, but they can't. And Franklin is dying. Cliffhanger, join us in two weeks for the next issue, The Wasting. And on that happy note, Da, 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 da. Hey, it's the themes of the issue. It's power pack packaging time. Yeah, I can't segue that. I, that no, that's not, the best I can do. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yes. And now in this sorrowful time, let's talk about this colorfully bright issue cover. It doesn't look fun. They're riding dolphins. You could yes. too. Yep. Yes, yes, they are. They are riding some dolphins. We are talking about... This orange and yellow sunset above an ocean, and it says, Franklin's back, power pack. And you've got five dolphins hopping through the ocean gleefully 
On top of one of them is Julian Jack. On top of another one, looking scared for his life, is a freaked out Alex. On the front and most center one there, you've got Katie with Franklin behind, and they're just smiling like crazy. And then there's another one kind of bouncing off to the side. I guess there's just four dolphins. Yeah, I'm there's sorry. four dolphins. I was doing a quick counting there. Guys, say what else you will about this cover. It's great. It's colorful. It looks like it would be amazing and fun. It looks like uh, you look at it and you're like, oh, they're going to have this beautiful, fun maritime adventure where they're, you know, it's like, hey, maybe it's the dolphins from the Boulder Crusher, you know, uh, <laughs> issue. <laughs> and, they, and, the, and the dolphins remember them and they're like, but they've got their translators and it's just like, we want to thank you. Come with us and we shall take you on a fun merriment ride. And they go, hey, it's the dolphins we rescued. Yay. And it just looks like it's just going to be just the best most amazing magical time it's going to be like it's going to be like uh elsewhere but without the trippiness it's just going to be this just lovely vacation you know you know where sometimes you go on vacations and you're just like you know what was amazing about that everything everything is right in the world i'm so good now i'm so centered (laughs) and that's what this cover looks like tim it's a beautiful fun cover it I, I agree with everything there it's like and the the dolphins just look wonderful it's just evokes such happiness and and the kind of kids fantasy of you know playing with the wild creatures sort of thing i just it's it's great but you know the nerd in me has to focus on the fact that the colors of the power pack costumes are all their original costume colors ah. and not their current costume mm-hmm. colors yep just yep. it's just right there but Hey. So, somebody didn't get the memo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That someone yeah. that someone may have been John McDonough. <laughs> who for some who traded their costumes in issue 47. Yeah, exactly. Right. For yep. them. So who knows when this cover was made? Exactly. Yeah. It yeah. may have been done yeah. previously. Or, mm-hmm. Who knows? But there are changes that do occur. There are changes that occur in books all the time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with exactly what power levels are what. I mean, power levels change in superhero comics. There is no consistency. Never. And one of the things we should talk about right away is inside the book. Apparently, Franklin's power set now includes uh, telepathy with animals. Yep, he's an animal talker, yeah, which is a new, but uh, kind of, a, he's got that nebulous sort of dream power. He's got godlike powers, and we just are putting that as one of the godlike powers. <laughs> yep, and he, and he can talk to stuff. Okay, that's... That's cool. He can dodge snowballs and talk to dolphins. I'm better with the dodging of snowballs. Tim, what do you think? You know, you don't. If you think too much about the comics, what the heck? <laughs> what the heck? It's no fun anymore. What are we bothering? They have, they have, you know, mystical costumes that come from a dimension of cartoon characters that were given to them by a space horse, and <laughs> and you know. You know, I the science all mashes up. Yeah, I mean, come on, it's like let it's like you want to talk science. This, uh, you know, it's like Superman, where this weather makes me feel good and that weather makes me feel weak. You know, it's like this sunburn is nice and that sunburn is bad. So it's I'm allergic to that rock. You know, whatever. Yeah, it, it all works. You can't you can't look at comics and you know it's it's the standard D and D kind of uh, answer that I always give where people are like, well, this rule doesn't make sense or this creature doesn't make sense. And when your answer can be fireball, <laughs> you know, where it's just like uh, magic, you can you can fireball. It's just 
it, you got to hand wave a whole lot of stuff. I'm just wondering what Franklin was eating for dinner if he now can talk to animals, because that's like that's a whole nother problem there. <laughs> like, I am pretty it, sure that no. I'm pretty sure he did not order a dolphin burger before he went out and talked to the dolphins. That would be poor, poor taste. We'll say that it is because they are a intelligent mammal. We can and say so, that. Uh, I, I will buy yeah. that. No prize. That is acceptable to me. It's within the psychic realm of communication, where he can't do it with humans, but it's just, or he does with his projection power. But so because the dolphin isn't human but is intelligent, it is like a it's a sidestep of that, where it's like, oh, I can communicate with them, except I'm going into the dolphin's mind palace instead of an astral. <laughs> realm kind of thing well it's like so. we now got franklin i think he's i think he's becoming deanna troy i love it because like like because yeah. on, on page 17 it's like he's got the fingers on the template he's like yeah, yeah costumes off they're paying their bills now so it's like, i'm really concentrating now back when i first read this back in the day i just loved it i just loved yeah i love the i love the concept of franklin now being an animal empath I just love the the whole concept. It fit in with the other kind of mental, you know, the quasi fuzzy, wiggly, wobbly, uh, timey wimey mental powers that he had already, and just kind of like give it another little dimension to it. It's like, oh, I loved it. I was in all the way. Do not get me wrong on this. I think that Franklin having all these wonderful powers and they keep on evolving and developing over time. I got no problem at all with it. So yep. it's just one of those things of, hey. You know, what do we got here? What's going on? Uh, new power. Okay, let's go with it. On a whole, I do enjoy everything about this issue. I think that, that it is set up very well. I think we've had the setup for this entire trip for a long time now. The power parents have laid down all of the groundwork that we are going to go to Maine. We're going to go to Maine because John Bogdanoff wants us to go to Maine. Mm-hmm. And they, they've gone to Maine. We've got the, you know, the trip, the, the montage trip to get there. And, and they get to this island, and like I said at the very, very beginning, John Bogdanov loves Monahegan Island. And I, I think that it is not so at all, and especially since our conversation with him last two episodes, he explained that he, the reason for this is that he just loved this. This is his this is his spirit place that he goes to when whenever he's feeling bad, whenever he's feeling sad, and this is a place that he went to a lot, and they lived there for a while. Yeah, it's when he thinks of home, that's where he thinks of. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a very special place in his heart. We actually asked him a little bit about this, and we we actually came back to him after our interview, and we asked him to provide us some information because there's two pages in here where we have very explicit characters. When they land on the island, they get off the boat. There's a scene where they're walking through a crowd of people, and it's that scene where you know the artist is not drawing background characters; they are drawing their friends as characters to feel a scene, and it's very explicit. So you see them walk through a crowd, and there's very explicit faces here. And then a page later, when the kids are bored and they see this massive kids come through a scene, another, the you look and like, these kids mean something to the artist. So we asked him, like, what's the deal with this? You know, who are these people? And if you don't mind, we're going to kind of just read this through here, so bear with us. This was the answer we got back from John Bogdanov. 
okay, back in the day, you could slip the likeness of real people into your stories and backgrounds without any corporate legal department losing their minds. You could even get away with bootleg cameos by the competition's copyright intellectual property, as demonstrated by Clark Kent and Lois Lane showing up in Walter's Thor. It was a much more free will in time. I tended to overdo it. I can tell you're shocked. I liked including real people because it gave crowd scenes like the ones in Monhegan Island or the shopping mall in Judy's Dinosaur issue a vers certain verisimilitude. Why hack out generic crowd scenes when you can cast real extras? Even if a reader didn't know any of the faces, they got the feeling that they were real people. This could get distracting, as it does in the Dinosaur issue, but it can, if done sparingly, create a feeling that the fictional world of the Marvel Universe is much closer to our universe, and that maybe, just maybe, any reader could actually cross over the panel border into Spider-Man's world. These cameos were also a way to thank or appreciate our friends. I drew the dinosaur issue while Judy's mom was dying in Pennsylvania Bay Hospital, literally at her bedside. It was a long, grueling ordeal. We all grew, grew very close to the wonderful hospital staff who took care of her and put up with us. I drew them into the comic to thank them, and Carl kindly let me do it. The Monhegan cameos were just for joy. I'd been going to Monhegan Island for my life. When I graduated high school with no money for college, I moved there year-round and spent my winters in an unwinterized, waterless summer studio without plumbing, heat, electricity, or insulation. I worked in the stern of lobster boats, worked construction and odd jobs, and eventually served as assistant teacher in a one-room schoolhouse. Life was cheap, and I could save my money for college. Monhegan is and always will be my one true home. The residents of Monhegan pictured in this issue are analogs of my friends and old family friends who lived in Monhegan in those days. The characters on that wharf are all locals, each of whom represents hours of stories. Most, but not all, have died since. The kids zooming by on the next page were all year-round island kids, several of whom had been my students, who helped teach me how to draw and write the Power Pack kids authentically, and to whom I will always be grateful. I thought that was very touching. That's why I read that all out. So I please beg or beg your forgiveness to your listener for that. But it I think this really goes to the point of what I'm saying is that you can tell he cares about this place. He had said that the Inferno event stuff was really, it was, it was a lot and it was emotional. It was draining. And he, you know, that's why elsewhere and this are kind of like, you know, elsewhere was because he's just like, I just wanted to have some fun and no consequences and just have like a, you know, a shake off kind of thing. And then it's like, you know, once you kind of like, ah, oh, okay, get, you get loose. Then you go, where is comfort? Where can I go that I feel comfortable at? And that's home. And so doing this is, you can tell that he's putting his heart and his love into it. And really there might be some characterization there, but there is a lot of love there too. And that is just, he is just, he's pulling on an old favorite coat and settling into uh, just a comfortable chair. And you can tell that he's really doing that. And he's telling a great story at the same time. The two pages in question are just gorgeous. You know, when you look at them, it's like they just feel like real people. In, in Bogdanov's style, you know, it's like they have a, there's definitely an authenticity to them there. And it just comes through so with just like a little bit of character in just one little scene. And like with all the kids riding by on their bicycles, it's like, yes, that's a bunch of kids who are just having a blast that, that known each other all their lives and, you know, just, and just enjoy, enjoy the life that they have right there. And you can see it all that you can see the character of each one of them almost in their faces on that panel. So it's just a joy to see those there. It makes you smile just to look at them. I mean, I, that's even if you don't know these people, you, you have to look at this and smile. I do think it's very interesting, too, with this book. This book is very bifurcated. I mean, we have a big adventure, even with you know them running onto the beach with the injured animals and then saving the animals. 
And but I mean, you have this 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 rollicking story at the beginning part, and then the last third of the book is this nightmare of Franklin's, and and just the the difference in the color, the difference in the texture, the difference in the storytelling. He goes through all text, and he just uses this beautiful way of drawing, which is kind of like a negative space drawing, where it's all black, and he's kind of using the yellow the yellow colors to kind of bring out the shapes in the shadows. And that's all of the dolphin stuff at the end where that Franklin's dreaming of. Yeah, it was just a, a nice uh, inverted color palette is kind of what it boiled down to. It was, uh, yeah, kind of a negative space just in the aspect of like a, a photo negative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, pe- those pictures are just was- beautiful too. It's like, it's, they're just gorgeous. Oh, what's so tricky on those though too is that, you know, it's just like, it leads in and it's just this beautiful nighttime scene over at their cottage and there's a lighthouse and it's just like Alex and Jack are like, this is actually pretty great. And hey, look at Franklin. He's having good dreams. And it is a good dream. He's dreaming of being a dolphin and a dolphin family and learning a language he never knew about. And it's just like, you know, you're buoyed up by the water and it's just it's just this beautiful peaceful it's like the serenity beneath the calm of the ocean. And you're like, yeah, this is really cool. And then it turns, and it becomes very, very dark. In fact, uh, I see this as, you know, kind of one of the more emotional, you know, bits of power pack writing that has been in here, where, you know, it, it wasn't quite to the intense for me, but it was very close for Leech. His, you know, mama died, and he's mm-hmm. all, you know, Leech, mama, mama, Leech, you know, where he's just breaking down because Annabelle had died, and it's just like... Oh, this is pulling at the old heartstrings. So, <laughs> yeah. You guys might be wondering why I even asked to come on for this particular ep- particular issue um, in the first place, because of being so you know lighthearted and upbeat <laughs> of a story. <laughs> for, for most of it, for most story. of it is. And, and the honest truth is that at this time, uh, back at, back when this came out, this was the last regular issue of Power Pack I bought. And mm-hmm. it's and it was like I was just finishing college, you know, starting my next trying to find work and all that sort of stuff. And so it's like things just got cut and I'm not going to say it was smart because when I look through this issue today, it's like every page is artwork on this in this book. Every single one of them. You go to any random one and it's like these are fantastic. Bogdanov was mm-hmm. knocking it out of the park on every single page in this thing. And so why did I not buy the next issue? I, I was not a smart person. I was 21 and broke. No, but <laughs> it's not that. It is uh, you. There are stages in your life where even things that you enjoy and love and are dear to you, you let them slide mm-hmm. just due to inconvenience or circumstances or have to. And like you were saying, you we're at that fresh out of college, 21. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get everything organized. You're trying to figure out where your place in life is going to be, where you're going to be, who you're going to be, how you're going to afford to be that person. And it's kind of, you know, it's that I got to get all my ducks in a row. And some of those ducks might not be at the spinner rack or over at the comic shop. Well, it's like I, know, had, it's, I was buying a lot of comics, though, too. So it's like just select yeah. things, you know, sometimes get cut. And I will mm-hmm. the just also be to be honest, uh, the little mercenary side of me is that my college roommate and I got our own place out shared a place as well to, you know, get our, get under our feet. And he was still buying power packs. So I read his copies. 
that works too. There you yeah. go. But it's like, that's no, hey. no, but it's like, I still, it's like, I just look at this issue today and I'm going like, man. Speaking of the floppies though, if you did not buy this floppy, then you are missing out on something because there is a nice little surprise in this that you are not going to get on a digital copy. And that is in the back of the book, the pick of the pack. This is where people can write in back in the day. They used to, you know, pen to paper, write in and send it in. And it would get, you know, fans' letters would get printed and that they'd get a response back. And this is a little bit of a special one because the second one listed here. Um, Jeff, if you wouldn't mind going ahead and reading it for us. Our very own Charlie Rose proves that he is an OG Power Pack fan. Mm-hmm. Because he has a letter that's in here that he wrote. And he fully admits, he goes, it's very, you know, it's coming off Inferno and it's very much what you would expect from uh, like an angsty 13 year old. <laughs> so, but he's in here, which is amazing. Why don't you go ahead and read it to us? Dear Power Pack, I have a few suggestions which I think you should consider. One, scratch the parents. We found out in issue number 44 what would happen if they found out. Two, after you stick it to the. <laughs> <laughs> two after you stick it to the parents you can one have them live with x-factor two go to the new mutants three go to reed and sue four let them live in friday when and if he comes back he can be bigger and better and can adapt to packs every need three no power transfer four more school life and social life five getting new and better costumes with masks no booties i hate the booties six more Franklin. Seven. More professional villains. Eight. Have another issue with a mutant and let it be someone they know. Johnny, Allison, Jenny, and Ruth. Nine. Childhood and teenager problems. Braces, cavities, getting a little plump, bad grades, and more teenage situations. Hint, hint. Well, that's all for now. I expect you to use at least seven out of ten later. Oh, yes. I'm not as cruel and heartless as you think. See, Rose. Uh, Tim, can you read the response, please? Are you saying you want us to kill off the power parents? <laughs> Inflict cavities, braces, and probably zits on the kids? And you are not cruel and heartless? As the botanist once said, with fronds like these, who needs anemones? So, congratulations, C. Rose. You have been immortalized. Bravo, Charlie Rose. Yeah. I I just think that is so cool that one of, you know, our listeners is literally an original fan Mm -hmm. and had a letter uh, published. I think that is so neat. I I never wrote in on any of the letter columns, and I really kind of wish that I had. Yeah. Kind of thing. And, and part of that is just to say, lately I've really been thinking, I'm like, there's so many creators of things and actors and whatnot that have done stuff where I'm just, you know, they may not want to hear it or that maybe it would really help them where I just want to go, hey, thanks. Mm-hmm. That really meant a lot mm-hmm. to me. It helped fill some of my time and, and it helped make me who I am. And it it filled me up. And I want to thank you for what you did. Yeah, it was. it hasn't been until I've been an adult that I've actually gotten something posted in. I, I've gotten something in uh, June Brigman's run on, on Captain Ginger, and I think I got something on the, the new West Coast Avengers. They were yep. putting in tweets, and I got one of my tweets put in there. Actually, I got one of our tweets, because it was from Jeff and Rick Presents. I, I think this is very neat, and it, it is kind of cool 
just like anything else, to look back and see something you wrote a long time ago and like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> that was 35 years ago and I <laughs> was a kid. My life has changed. I am not that person anymore. And, and so, you might be surprised yeah. to hear this with, with what I do nowadays, but I hardly ever wrote into comic books when I was a kid <laughs> because yeah. I also was like looking at the letters that were there and it's like, I don't know how much I want, how about to say. I I like the book. The book be good. It it pretty artwork. I I did I didn't know. It's, and I'm talking when I say when I say a kid, I mean like in my twenties. I still wouldn't know. That'll be about how eloquent I've been that as well then too. So it's like, but and I'm trying to make up for that now. I make up for that now. But as a kid, pfft. let me let me put this with you guys. I I think that there's many things in our lives that we we have regrets on not doing when we had the chance. And, uh, I, you know, if we could go back and, and make that change, we could make that change. And I mentioned this because I find it as a nice segue into my library card, finding the literature in the comic book. And I was really struggling on what I was going to do with this library card for a while. But then I realized yesterday before we actually recorded this that I had really not prepared. I had to come up with something. So I took a, took a step back and I remembered a book that I read a long time ago. Um, this was probably about... Whew, now I'm thinking about it, it's about 20 years ago, actually. <laughs> I remembered this book, and I remembered how it kind of synced with something else that was in the comic that we just read. And with our recent conversation with John Bogdanoff, it's called Notes from a Small Island. It was written by Bill Bryson. Now, it's not about Monhegan Island, but it's about Great Britain. It's a humorous travel book about the author's final trip around Great Britain before he leaves back to the United States after 20 years of living on that island. While he was living in the country, Mr. Bryson had heard about villages and sites that he should go and see, but he just never got the chance or just never took the time to go and do it. Seeing this as an opportunity to visit and revisit many amazing locations, well, he moved his other, the rest of his family back to the United States and got them taken care of. He went out and just did these trips to go see these places, mostly traveling through public transportation to go from one place to another. He managed to make it through each corner of the island. And as he did his journey, he would record his interactions. He would record his troubles by going to these places on public transportations and also making some historical observations about the journey. I remember being given this book as a recommendation while I was working. I was a front desk receptionist at a retirement center in Portland. And I remember how this book captured my own imagination. And it it really nearly caused me to just sell everything I had and to stop working and just go on a long trip through the British Isles just to see these places because it just seemed like such a neat and amazing idea going from place to place on public transportation, having interesting conversations with the locals that lived there, seeing the places and just kind of being part of the culture. It's just one of those things that I regret not doing because alas, responsibilities curse you but hearing john talk about his love of monhegan island and its people and the culture that was there and how he really connected to it and it became very important for him kind of made me remember that book and, and just going out and talking to people and being part of those small tinier communities where you can have those conversations so that ended up being my library card for this book but you know what this book may not have that many literary references, but you know what it does have? It's got tons and tons of chemicals. I have not read and I have no clue what Jeff Science Corner is going to be, but you know what? If it's not about chemicals, what are we even doing here, folks? 
In this issue, in case you missed its subtle inclusion, a plot point was about pollution. In fact, non-point contamination was directly mentioned at the beach when we were finding out what was wrong with the beach dolphins. Well, this got me thinking. What is non-point contamination? Well, it turns out that non-point source pollution is pollution resulting from many diffuse sources, in direct contrast to point source pollution, which results from a single source. Non-point source water pollution affects a water body from sources such as polluted runoff from agricultural areas draining into a river, or windborne debris blowing out to sea. Non-point source water pollution is difficult to control because it comes from the everyday activities of many different people, such as lawn fertilization, applying pesticides, road construction, or building construction. In fact, it is the leading cause of water pollution in the United States today. The principal types of pollutants in water are sediments, which come from eroding stream banks, construction sites, and agricultural fields, nutrients, which come from human sewage and fertilizer, toxic contaminants and chemicals, which come from mining operations, industrial operations, and landfills, pathogens, which come from poorly managed livestock operations, faulty septic systems, improper handling of pet waste, and human sewage. So, that is what non-point source pollution is, and some of the things that can cause it. Let's try to keep the world clean, folks. After all, it is the only one we got. And that is this week's Science Corner. See, that's what I like to hear from you. Some hard science facts. And you know what we can do with those science facts? We can create a bigger, better, more awesome refrigerator that we can place all of the pictures that we find in these books on. It is time for Refrigerator Gallery. <laughs> Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> this is my TED Talk. I want to talk to you today about a refrigerator. No, not how it works. No, no. not about its contents. We are talking about the artwork that you put up on it with magnets or stickers. Darn tootin'. So This is my TED Talk. I have a small child who gives me things that are <laughs> endearing to me and me only. Our house is filled with artwork. Help us. <laughs> okay, um, so... Refrigerator Gallery, what piece of art in this book needs to be on that family refrigerator? Tim Price, what do you have for your funny, funny, funny backup? Well, you know, it's one of those one of those things that I can't help myself. I I always try to find one that you guys won't pick. <laughs> I can't help it. Let's see. Uh, let's tricky let's try sometimes. It. For my backup joke, let's go to page four and to the second panel where we have it's it's not an exciting image, but we have the whole family reacting to the used car that the parents have bought. And the reactions on all of them are just wonderful. Jim is proud. The Julie is rolling her eyes. Jack is stunned. Maggie is Oh honey. Oh, uh, honey. Alex is resigned. He's resigned. <laughs> Alex is yeah. Alex is He's a, almost near tears. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's he's a he well or or that's teenage. Oh. And Katie, yay! <laughs> oh yeah, Katie was super happy, but what's funny about Alex is that he's the one, you know, in the uh, when they found out about the car, his thing is is it cool? Yeah. He was looking for the cool car so he can be the cool older brother that gets to oh that's a sweet ride that you get to go in exactly and i forgot the title of the panel the title is read the room jim (laughs) (laughs) but 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 tim they're outside (laughs) but they're in a panel which is like a room yes it's a it's a room on the page hate to uh disappoint you tim 
That's my top funny one. Oh. <laughs> well. That was my top funny that's... one. Car reaction. Yes, yes, yes. It is a fantastic panel. I love it. And the art in it is great. It's uh, it's neither my backup nor my top one, but I'm going to say that it's both now just to make Tim feel worse. <laughs> I call this one uh, because Tim picked it. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> what is your backup one, Jeff? My actual joke backup one is on page 17. Uh-huh. And I call it, take that, good doers. <laughs> so this is in the, the very center panel. And this is after Power Pack has gone on the attack to help save the dolphins. And, you know, Julie clouds up. Alex is disintegrating rocks to free the dolphins and everybody else is hauling them out to the ocean and everything. Since Alex has been disintegrating stuff, he's glowing like a beacon. People working on the on the beach are starting to, they're like, hey, there's a shape over there. It's kind of like, what is that? Is that a person? And he, so he shoots a powerball off just to get rid of, you know, his energy so they don't see him and all the people on the beach are like, oh, it's, it's a uh, ball lightning. It's always weird and it's kind of a phenomenon. Alex didn't shoot this powerball straight up or into the ocean, or away from people. He shot it at this beach of people. So it is like arcing just over their heads before shooting up into the sky. Well, so, you know, to be fair, he is he, he is a teenager, and, uh, well, he is a serial killer. All teenagers are. Well, obviously. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's uh, he starts fires, he kills little animals, he wets the bed. We, yeah, I know. We, we've, we've read his... We, we know what happens in the later issues. We know what happens. Normally, I wouldn't worry about this with a superhero, but we've seen that the we've seen that the Energizer powers aim is the best. <laughs> it can be either super accurate or erratic as all get out. It, yeah. it is a it is a very it is like a two ten sided die chance on where this is going to go, <laughs> yeah. and the only way it's going to go when it go, want the right place when you get like that eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my backup one is on page three, and it is the top corner. It's the top corner. Oh, I'm on page three or something. Let's see. And the top corner page is called Not Walton Wheezy. Not Walton Wheezy at all. This is not Walt Simonson, not Louise Simonson. This Mm -hmm. is not Mm -hmm. Walton Wheezy. Move along, move along. Nothing to see here. No, this This is is my top. It's uh, it's top left panel. I call it giving up all pretenses. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it's it's the power parents coming in and they've been they've been they've gotten their hair cut recently. They've they've had a makeover kind of going on, and it is it is Walt Simonson. It is Louise Simonson. It is yeah. Walton Wheezy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. There's, there's just no... Before they were, like, uh, analogs. They were representatives of... Mm-hmm. It was, a, you know, it was kind of like a... Shh, shh, yeah, those are them. But they looked yeah. different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They now no. do not. <laughs> no, they're just leaning into that as hard as they can. <laughs> yeah. And it's... Beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. It's just I do awesome. really like it. Yep. Uh, was that your top one for funny? Yep, that's my top joke. Yep. All right, so I think that just leaves us with one joke left, and that is Tim's. Okay. Uh, that, that, means, that means I have a shot at you not having picked this one, right? I think that's <laughs> what that means. Yeah. I think the math. We've, we've each stepped on each yeah, other's okay. toes somehow, right. so yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to page eight and Uh-oh. go to the top panel. Okay. All right. On page good, good, good. eight. All right. 
And I call this one the happiest notebook in the world because we have the power (laughs) family driving in the car and there's Franklin dead center. And there's a thought balloon coming from his notebook that says, Oh boy, I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't even put, yeah, I just, I always saw that. I'm like, I'm so happy for yeah, little Franklin. I'm so happy for him. The thought bubble does come out of the notebook. You were correct. Yeah. No, that is a fantastic picture. That that would kind of that was on on my radar at some point in time, but that is only because the picture at the bottom of this page, the bottom oh, of page yeah. 8 yeah. is my backup best one, which we happen to be on now. So I'll go ahead and drop it. And this is the one of it's the compressed time where we are traveling from Stanford to Maine and they did that all in this one panel, which you see them going down a road and it's this beautiful forested area. The road is curving off and there's all these word balloons, of all the stuff that you would hear on a road trip with five kids and two adults. But it is a beautiful picture and I think it does a great job of showing you the beauty of nature at the same time, the joy of riding in a long car trip and the fun of it as well too. Yeah. No, that is a beautiful picture. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's more than half of a page, yeah. and it is, yeah, that's glorious. And it really does capture that just kind of like, it's the American road trip, yeah. and mm-hmm. you're going on a highway, and there's curves, and there's mountains, and lakes, and trees, and rocks, and it, yeah, it's, yeah, you just want to pull over anywhere and just take it in. The cool thing, too, is that if you look at that guardrail right there, you know there's a geocache there. Anyways, uh, oh, Jeff, yeah, <laughs> uh, go ahead and tell us... <laughs> I don't think there are geocaches in 1989. No, there weren't, but there's one there now. (laughs) I bet there is now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there is one now. now. I promise you. There's one everywhere. There's too many now. Mm -hmm. That's kind of thing. Jeff, go ahead and tell us what your backup best one is, sir. My backup is on page one, and I call it, I want to rock. 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 That's right. Well, stop. We can't pay the royalties. We can't afford that. Uh, yeah, no, this is just the splash page, and it is Julie is playing a, a air bubble force field guitar, and you know the Jack is playing the drum drumsticks on the desk, and Katie's flying around, leaving rainbows, got the big old boom box on her head snapping, and just like, ooh, she's into the music, and it's just super cool, but especially that... Uh, you know, giant Julie playing the air guitar yeah. is glorious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It, the only thing that just destroys the entire mood is that sourpuss Alex down there at the bottom. Yeah, sourpuss Alex. Yeah. I know, trying to destroy the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever crimes he's committed in the corporate world, I don't know fully what's he's going teenage, on. Like I said, I don't read these comics. He's a teenager in high school who's in love with a girl. We don't want to know what <laughs> crimes he's getting rid of. All yeah. right, uh, <laughs> Tim, what is your backup favorite? All right, my backup favorite is on page 20, and it's the fourth panel. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep, and yep. I call this one Goonies the sequel. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but we have, this is the this is the, the shot of all of the kids on Munhigan Island. Yeah, on their bikes and walking and on horses and everything, yeah. It is just, the characters in here are just so 
fun to look at and you get it. I, I mean, I gushed about it before. So I, you, if you've been listening on the show, just wind back. I'm sure that it'll be in the notes about Tim gushed about the panel back here. <laughs> and you could go listen to it then. But it's a great panel. I love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun panel. Once again, we've already talked enough about kind of the background of it. It is, it is just uh, John Bogdanoff putting his heart and love into the people that he knows from the island and giving them the, the credit they deserve for himself. And just look at this one panel and you can kind of a story of each one of these kids. It's like there's the older sister and they have a horse and her you know younger brother or sister is riding on the horse. And so the older sister just takes her out all the time riding the horse. And you got the one girl, you know, she's got a little sign that says, look, mono hands because she's you know kind of preening, and, you know, for the camera and she's riding her bike with no hands. So you're like, there had to have been a little girl always rode around town no hands and that's what she was famous for and then there's just you know just the wheelie kid and the little heavy kid and this you know it's just you can kind of you can see the dynamic of all these kids so gooning this awesome representation yeah this is just great like all we always say if you want to see these come to the website you'll see these lovely pictures and you'll see this these weird comments from this guy named tim price as well but and my responses (laughs) <laughs> we're not done yet, though. We're not done yet. We still have the top ones, mm-hmm. the top ones where you can also find on our website. Mine is on page 24 and is the top panel. And I call this Quiet Village. This is uh, this is actually more of a Jeff kind of picture because it is monochrome. <laughs> it's glorious. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You see the cabin where the power kids are and a few other cabins in the background. You see the light from the lighthouse kind of shooting across the sky, a purple sky. And everything else is in this light blue and black shadows. And you see some animals there in shadow on the side. And it's just, it's all shadow and it all shows the peacefulness, the quietness, the stillness of a place that does, doesn't have any electricity, doesn't have any sound, and everything's quiet. It's just the noises of nature. Yeah, it is really nice. It is beautiful. My only concern is that that lighthouse light might be shining into the top window of the bedrooms of the house. But <laughs> Well, how else are you going to know when the alien spaceship has landed on the roof? Exactly. I mean, come on. We need to be, the powers need to have that on hand. That's just a fact for their house, for the vacation sites. Everything about this panel is like, yeah, it's just, it just, it's just gorgeous. Uh, it's, it's so funny that you know, you, Rick, you, you pick two ones that actually don't have any characters in them. It's like they're just, they're just these landscapes or or scenes of, of the, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty. That's really interesting that those that those showed out. I think it really shows the kind of chops that John brought yeah. in yeah, this issue. He was really not just. It's not just like a superhero comic book. He's bringing real art here, so it's wonderful. The few action scenes that were in this were not as fascinating to me as as some of the quieter, nature-driven pieces in this one. Yeah. But that, that was me. I, I think it was a little bit more nature-driven. So. There was one action scene that I thought about grabbing uh, where it was uh, the kid's rainbow trail mm-hmm. flying a dolphin out of uh, a Julie cloud. And I, wanted, I was going to call it Super Dolphin. Just because it looks like it's a flying <laughs> dolphin and there's kids there. But uh, no, there 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 is... <sighs> The scenery, there's too much good art in this. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's 
they're good. But yeah, I, I love I love the panel that you picked, Rick. All right, go ahead then, Jeff, and tell us what your best one is. My best one is on the next page, page 25. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing a pattern here. <laughs> yes, we're all right around the same Mine thoughts. Mine is in this same neighborhood. Ooh, well, I guess we're going to find out where, see if we tipped into that as well. Mine is the top panel on page 25, and I call it A Glimpse of Things Beneath. Nice. And this nice. is yeah. the dolphins swimming in the water at night with just the the yellow, you know, hashing on them to show shape. And it is, you know, if you look at it, if it's dark in the room, it is really hard to see what's going on. If you're in a well lit room, you're like, oh, I can totally tell. But I was, you know. Yeah, I get to. I'm reading this stuff and trying to write for the script and stuff. Usually, very late at night, I have lights off, so I'm not bugging the family as much as uh, you know as I could. And so there's times where it's like I can barely see what's going on there. And this is one of those instances because it's nighttime underwater in the ocean, and it's just like mm-hmm. you just get just that taste of what's going on. You have just the glimpse of there's there's things there but it's not scary things it's peaceful mm-hmm. things and yeah i just thought that was beautiful just as like oh especially when you figure out you're like it's dolphins and they're in the sea and mm-hmm. oh it's 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 a mother and a baby and you're just like yeah this is the i was in hawaii on a kayak and a school of uh, little spinner dolphins you know came swimming by us and it was just like this is so amazing and perfect and just the right thing and it's you just Mm -hmm. want to reach out and just hold on to that moment for as long as you can and that's very much one of those moments right here okay well we'll go from that nice peaceful thing to whatever the heck tim says tim's gonna be like where all the dolphins (laughs) die and the the water's toxic and it's just barrels spewing out toxins and everything's dead and then i'm gonna add another panel and just franklin's just choking to death on his nightmare and that's and my it's top so metal. It's yeah, so metal. So metal. Oh, oh, I just, oh, I just ripped my shirt off and flex. Tim, no, that's not what I did at all, man. What, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? <laughs> but we don't have time for that, man. We don't have time. What do you got? What's your okay. best one? Here we're going back to page twenty-four oh. to the uh-huh. bottom yep. panel. I call it "Sweet Dreams Are Made of These." Mm. <laughs> Perfect. Half of the panel on like a diagonal is. Franklin's face, but it's that silhouette. So it's like, yeah, he's got, as you said, it's that negative space thing because we only have like the blue light from nighttime giving us the texture and the shape of his face. But on the side, we get his dream of the dolphins and the light of the sun coming down onto them and then the shadows forming from the dolphins. And it's the same sort of thing. It's all the, I love this. Love the Actually, the I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. I'm going mm. to interrupt you for a second. It's not the sunlight. It's from the lighthouse. Ah, uh, that hmm. is the connection. It, it's Could it's not be? direct because it because really what it would be Could would be. be the moonbeam. But I think the I connection think it'd be the that moonbeam actually yeah I, I think it would yeah. be the moonbeam. But I think the connection is because you see the lighthouse on the top panel. The next panel mm. down, you see in through the window the lighthouse, and I think that's that's kind of part of a connection. Could be, and it's is the yellow mean, light of the lighthouse. Yeah, the light. the reason so, I mean, it's, could be. yellow illuminated could be. I mean, scientifically, no, it's not going to be that, but at the same time, it's part of... You can almost see that Franklin's dream self is kind of just traveling right along the light beam. Right. Hmm. Mm-hmm. We're yeah, just making I, our own storyline here. I don't care. Sure, I like sure. it. <laughs> That's fine. I'll buy that. Yeah, it works. It works well. Yeah. But it's like one of the things I, we were saying before, it's like with what Bog is doing here is that his, uh, his characters and 
and people usually have his own his own style and brought to that you know his own mm-hmm. character that he's not really there for drawing you know photorealistic people he's not trying for that you know he's got his it's got a beautiful style that he goes that he brings to them that gives him their emotion and everything but for his landscapes the wildlife scenes and the dolphins themselves he goes totally realistic and brings that authenticity to it and it comes through on every one of the panels with the dolphins which is it was like it was really hard to pick any one of these panels because they're all just gorgeous and you really see it i just like the contrast especially in this one of franklin on one half and the dolphins on the other half Uh, and so it's really just great and by, by a strange coincidence i was on vacation earlier this week uh at virginia beach we went for an early morning walk along the ocean. Sure enough, like a couple dozen yards out from shore, we see the dolphins going out for their morning play. Nice. We also went on a boat tour on our last day. And there we were in like the, the harbor of the Chesapeake, of Chesapeake Bay. And yeah, the dolphins would swim along where the tide line is, where the, the water that stays in from the fresh water versus the water that's coming in from the ocean kind of differs. You can see the color change between the two of them. And the dolphins hang out near there because other things that they like to eat hang out near there. So they were so we had saw them coming up right within like 20 feet of a boat. And this is just this week. So I was thinking about that. It's like, oh yeah, this story is not really great for the dolphins. <laughs> about that. But it was so cool. They're always so cool to see. It's like whenever the, it's like one of those things, whenever they're around, it's like, I don't pay attention to anything else. Yep. I want to see the dolphins. They're just yep. fantastic. Yeah. They're beautiful creatures and they're, fa- it's, I would love to see more about them. And, you know, that's why it's very easy to get sucked into the story of this one too, because they're ones that we have a strange empathy for. A very yeah. unex- very unusual empathy that humans have for the dolphins, and I, I it's like this is this is very much we feel we feel the pain here, yeah. We feel the, the drama here, so it's but the artwork just nails it, just nails yeah. it every way. This one was my special mention one as well, and and I it is a fantastic, is beautiful. I, it's it's the cream of the crop of of his art. It really is wonderful with what it does, and I think you're absolutely right about talking about the dolphins and and how they are empathetic creatures unlike humans who are horrible disgusting (laughs) bitter creatures who do nothing but throw insults at each other which is what our rubber and glue moment is all about so jeff hit us with your insult buddy show us let's see i'm gonna try and make this one really personal too and i'm gonna tailor it towards both rick and tim all right by talking about your cars i'm scared that's right Uh and i'm gonna talk about your cars in a jack voice as mm. though his dad oh, had just no. brought an old rambling Jeep Wagoneer home. Mm. And I'm going to say, you got not only your cars, but you guys are, it's, it's a heap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love, it's a heap. It's just, nice. For Jack just being mm. so just like, just, yeah. you can't think of anything to say other than, the, this is a heap. This is a garbage car. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, but you might think it's hilarious for what you put this through. Yeah. yeah. You might think I'm crazy, but all I want is to hear Rick's pick. But <laughs> <laughs> I bet we I bet we could get there. Well, hey, um, well, hold on, Tim. Normally we yeah. wouldn't because we try and you know keep yeah. Rick in his attic doing it, looking at his oh, movies. Okay. But uh, because you're here, my friend. Hey, Rick. Yeah. What's your uh, backup insult? Well, if we go to page 19 and we see uh, Jack talking on page 19, I think. 
I can respond to both of you guys <laughs> about what I think of both of you. Oh, so okay. Jack, could you please say that? Uh, what a bunch of characters! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm walking away. Walking away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tim, that's what is back, your? That's just your backup. Rick, that's your backup. <laughs> you I'm sorry, I'll be back. We're not done with the show. Yeah. <laughs> what What did you have for your backup one there, Tim? Oh, yes, indeed. For my backup, let's go to page four. Uh-huh. On the second panel. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, oddly, it's Jack. I know you're surprised to hear that. Yeah. It's like, oh, gee, I bet it doesn't even do 90. Yeah. <laughs> and there's... There's two reasons why that's a good one. One, it's insulting Dad's car. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Two, Jack is co-opting G from Alex. Everybody so else has. That is Everybody an insult yeah. of, of the highest magnitude. He's already <laughs> bogarted the gravity powers. Yep. Now he's going to bogart his catchphrase. Like, I know. His what next step. Are you like, doing? I'm going to give you some spoilers that I'm going to make up mm. in like three issues. He's dating Allison. No. Yeah, he steals oh, his older brother's girlfriend. Wrong. I know it is harsh. There is this dark spiral with Alex. Wow. And uh, well, lessons are not learned. And that's literally uh, how Power Pack ends, where the family yeah. kind of disintegrates because Alex just can't look at his brother, who's doing so much better with Allison. Then, uh, <laughs> I uh, that that is that sounds. If that's not right, I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want it. I want the other thing. <laughs> well, um, I I would I normally would be Jeff's turn here to tell what his top one is, but I, since we're on this page, I don't want to go off this page yep. without doing mine because we're already here. And this is going to be the same panel you just had, and it's Alex. Ah. And it's Alex's response back saying, "Knowing Dad, I guess we're lucky he didn't bring back a VW minibus with Dayglow flower decals." Alex is dropping out and calling his dad an old hippie. Yep, that's yeah. what Alex is doing there, and I kind of respect him for that. I was thinking you were going to pull a pull Julie's, which is oh, funky, definitely does it. You know, yeah. I like the slow burn there of just Alex saying, "You're just an old hippie." Yeah, it's that's just like all it, you are. It's just that sad realization. It's like, you know, I shouldn't have expected anything better than this. This literally is the highest that the bell curve would go. Yeah. The median well, you know. <laughs> is a microbus. Yeah. And and you know, it's like at teenagers age it's like your parents are somewhere between, you know, 30 and 70 years old anyway. Yeah. So, you know, they remember they remember the revolutionary war probably. <laughs> yeah. So it's like anything is, you know, anything's fair game in terms of that, you know. Oh yeah. And the kids are starting to hit that age where it's just like, you know who my superheroes used to be? My parents. Now you know who are not, but are probably the lamest people in the world. My, my parents. parents. I think yeah, they've we're, taught we're... me everything they have to teach me. And I'm kind of sad that I've learned it. So. <laughs> yeah, t- Tim's, already, Tim's already living that reality. Uh, my wife and I are starting to start the clock on when that is going to start hitting. <laughs> Jeff, go ahead and tell us what your top rubber and glue is, please. Well, well, now it's whatever Tim picked, so I can say, Yeah, gee, I bet it doesn't even do 90, which is a lie. 
Which is a lie. My top one is on page 20. After, you know, getting that tour of the island and uh, the parents trying to sell it. Hey, check it out. There's hiking and nature. Oh, fresh air. You know who people love fresh air? You know, everybody loves fresh air. You're going to love the fresh air. And Jack's response to it is, I'm bored. When can we leave? Oh, cuts to the core, I think, of any parent that has planned a family trip anywhere, where it's just like, this is, this is what we're doing, and this is our, this is love, and just to have the kid be like, yeah, no. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, <laughs> so, no, I'm no. bored, when can we leave? I feel like, mm, that one cuts. And that takes, that takes the kids and puts them into the ranking in their own parents head of saying which kid am i going to sacrifice first on this island and which one is going to make it back home with us yeah in, because, in this wicker man experience who's getting eaten by bees because that is true for all parents and it is true on our show as we like to rank the kids with stars and attention which kid is the best which kid is the worst so like always we always start with the worst who wants to go first who wants to throw out who the worst one is tim you're a guest Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like, will say that it's hard. This one's very hard. I think all the yeah. kids were really great in this. Well, well, we do have Kofi, who you know he's stealing a spaceship again. He yeah? was going to be an, he's an honorable mention in my worldview. Yeah, but I think I have to give the worst kid to Jack hmm. for basically hmm. being me on vacation at that age. <laughs> <laughs> I very clearly had a vacation that was this that that oh, at that we- about that age. And it's like, it was, yeah, it was a beautiful cabin by a lake in Minnesota, no power or electricity, and just, you could, you could fish or boat, and it's like, when are we going home? Mm. Every single day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jeff, are, are you also a grumpy pants when you're on vacation with your parents or what? Kind of, kind of, I've, I've been Jack. I think every kid has probably been Jack at one point or another. However, while Kofi and Jack were on my list, I did not put them in my detention kid. I yeah, handed I that, uh, that delightful package to Alex. Mm-hmm. What a surprise. Everybody was really pretty great. Nobody was really terrible. It was just that, and maybe it was a personal bias or something, but yeah, I, I, I handed that, uh, that dunce cap to, to Alex. And a lot of that is just because... You know, the beginning, everybody's having fun. Alex is like, Rah! and, you know, it's just, hey, is our car cool? No, our car's not cool. And just, yeah, it's just whatever it was, he just tipped into my bad kid uh, ranking. Yeah, I had the same for Alex, too. I thought he was a grouch while the rest of the family was having fun. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of was the negative part in the first few pages. And yeah. I just, it, even though Jack kind of came in and was the grouch, I, I could still understand Jack there it's like you know what you don't have the electricity it's like this is a different kind of fun it's going to take them all to find the fun yeah that's fine but alex is just being alex at the beginning and with jack you also get to have that turnaround where it's like you know alex is like hey you know this isn't too bad is it and jack kind of going you know what this really is pretty great you know so you kind of get that where it's like yeah maybe i'm not bored maybe i just need to slow down i'm going to ask you guys the easy question who is the best and i'm going to be very surprised if we don't all have the best Franklin. Franklin. I had Tattletail. Tattletail. Oh, so, man. You know, Franklin was okay. Franklin was okay, but Tattletail was awesome. 
Tattletail is the badum. Yeah. I am I am the spoil sport that has to bring this I have to bring this car over to the side of the road and we're not going anywhere until we grade this issue. That's oh, right. Rick. I'm gonna pull this car off to the side of the road and start day drinking. Yep. We like start. to evaluate this start, start. Never. Yeah, quotes, big quotes. <laughs> We like to evaluate this issue against all the other issues in the series, and I know that we sometimes have guests on here that have, haven't listened to every show, episode of our show and haven't, you know, don't follow Power Pack that much. But you know what? Tim is not that guy. I am Tim not that is guy. there. Yeah, no, I was he's not. Going with that because I am not that guy. <laughs> Tim probably has better opinions on where this uh, episode should rank than we do, honestly. Probably. So starting at number one, we have Power Pack number 42, Revenge of the Boogeyman, the best Power Pack issue in our eyes. Down to number 20, we have got When You Wish Upon a Star from Power Pack number 24. Spot 40, Power Pack number 38, Little Bo Peep Has Lost Her Sheep. This is one of Julianne Jones' episodes that are issues that she wrote where Julie has her presence stolen by Mean Girls. And all the way at the bottom of the list, we still have X-Factor Annual number 2, Man in the Moon, just slightly beat out by the last one we covered, which was Power Pack and Cloak and Dagger Shelter from the Storm. Gentlemen, where do we start the bidding? I'm going to roll on up here a bit. Well, hold on. Is it better than X-Factor Annual number 2? This is going to yes. be a point of contention. Yes. Let's move up a little bit further. <laughs> where where yeah. do you where are you guys feeling at this one? I, are you feeling upper half, upper third? What? I'll, I'll let me put a stake down. I'm thinking the last big Franklin issue was Power Pack number thirty six with the twelfth, where they fight Master Mold. Do we think this is better? This is higher or lower than that issue? That is a fascinating point to start at, and it's a good issue as a benchmark. I actually would think that it is below the 12th. Really? Okay. And and, and here's the okay. thing is that I think that this issue is going to suffer a little bit from being the first of a two-parter. Mm-hmm. We we aren't getting a we aren't getting a real complete story. Uh, we have some very good elements in this book. We have some very good writing in this book and, and drawing and art. But I think as far as a more complete story, we've got the 12th. So I, I don't think that it quite gets up to that level. That's my opinion. Okay, what do you think, Tim? I, I'm fine with that. I'm fine mm-hmm. with that. Because I, I, I think I would that the art on this issue, this particular issue, edges that out a little bit more. But in sure. terms of like the overall yes. story, oh, and I, how it goes, it's like, yeah, it's not quite, it, you know, one and done is going to probably do better than yeah. a lead yeah, one, in, of, one of two. Than lead yeah. In. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think you are, you're definitely right. I mean, the art in the last third of this book is phenomenal. It really takes it above anything else we've really seen from John Bogdanov. And, and that's going to be interesting because that's going to put it up in contention with the notes next, and that's Power Pack 47, which is elsewhere. Yep. How do we compare that? Opinions? Tim? Rick? Mm. It's, it's got the same thing about being a one and done versus a mm-hmm. yep. set. But boy, elsewhere was... And elsewhere was really pretty good, but boy, the art and the artwork of this one's like, oh, it's pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah. It's, I, it's I can still kind of art. see it slip. I can still see it yeah. slips a little bit. Here, here's the thing is that is that I know that it's not going to be better than what's below it. And that's going to be Power Pack number 22, Trapped, where the, that's the kids go sledding with Alex and Johnny Rival fight. I think that this one is still a better story than that one. Yeah, what do you think, Jeff? So you think that uh, sick dolphins is better than uh, punching sleds. Yeah, than punching, punching bullies. The punching yes. bullies. Yes, um, yes. 
uh, I'm good with that. This being the new number 17 and being above the sled trip. Because yeah. that yeah, was fun, it, it, and it did have a good yeah. Franklin thing in it, and that was the tie-in to, I believe, the, you know, the, the snark capture and yeah. you know, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine with this replacing that. Is that good with you, Tim? Yeah, that sounds good. Good spot for it. I don't think it could pass up elsewhere. I think elsewhere is is so good, but it it, it really gives it a good contention. This this it, that's a good spot, and that was a good way to start. So thank you very much, Tim. So this is the new number seventeen. Excellent, excellent, excellent. But that's ranking and talking about comic books, and we're not doing that anymore. We've moved on, folks. We've moved on. We are now talking to ranking our beverages. So final thoughts on what beverage we drank tonight, Jeff. I have a bottle of Gigantic Brewing Company's Playdate, ale made with fruit aged in bourbon barrels. And how did that grab you throughout the night? Uh, it's okay. <laughs> it is not one of these ones. You know, right off the bat, it was like, oh, that kind of smells interesting. But right off the bat, just with the flavor for me, it was kind of a, this is like, I can't identify what fruit it is, but it's off kind of fruit where you're like, I kind of want an orange, but it's at the back of the fridge. It's been there a while. I guess we'll find out. You know, it's that kind of a thing. It's, it's got a sharp, sour taste that's in yeah. there. That, that that just is kind of without the, throughout the entire life of this. I, I agree with you. And I think that it, for me, because of that taste profile, it's kind of landing in the two and a half, three range for me. Yeah. I don't find it offensive. I just don't find it as enjoyable. So I think I'm going to land on a three for myself. Okay. I'm kind of thinking the same thing. It's... Is it a bad beer? No. Nah. But if I want a sour, I'm not going to go for this. Right. And if I want a fruity beer, I'm not going to go for this. Right. And if I want a bourbon barrel beer, I'm not going to go for this. And if I, you know, it's just, it's all these kind of like, well, name what it is. <laughs> yeah. If I want that, that's not what I'm going to drink. So it, I also hit it at a three. All right. It is fine. It's acceptable. It is, it, it just totally is. That is our opinion of our beverages. But yep. Tim... Yes, I have the Jones King Sugar Soda Ginger Beer. It was pretty good at first, and I but over it, as I kept going through it, I kind of didn't get as much ginger as I like going along. It felt a little bit more subdued. I think I instinctively compare it to Northern Neck Ginger Ale, which has a really strong ginger kick. Like that one's that one stays strong all the way through. So this is still good though. I still I uh, think it's a higher quality and better taste and texture than a than most ginger ales you're going to get out of the two liter jug at the store so um i'd I'd give it a four i'd give it a four ginger yeah all right excellent let's hear carrie's opinion and carrie is rick's nine-year-old daughter and she reads the issue with us and rick talks to her and they kind of discuss the issue that we just discussed about but in a very concise age-appropriate way for a nine-year-old so carrie rick tell us about it Hello, Carrie. How are you? Good. And you? I'm doing quite well. It is a nice little Sunday here. Uh, Don't really have any plans, but uh, we got to talk about a comic book, don't we? That's certainly a plan. That is a plan. It is a plan, Stan. And the comic book, apparently they got plans, too. What are their plans in the comic book? Well, they're going on a secret vacation, quote-unquote. And where are they going? They're going to Maine. Yes, they are. And they're going to go to a little island in Maine, aren't they? Monahegan Island. That is correct. In real life, it's called Monahegan Island. He made it Monahegan Island. Change up the name a little bit. But that's a place that's really special to John Bogdanoff. And who are they going with? Franklin. That's right. And what do the kids discover when they go out to the beach? 
Well, one, the beach is closed. Why? Because there's like this polluting. Uh-huh. And what happened because of the pollution? Dolphins are covered in this icky green stuff and they're all sick. Yeah. What do the kids do about that? They um try rescuing the dolphins. At the very end of the book, what happens? Franklin's in his dream and um and um he sees that more dolphins are getting sick and then he starts like choking in his sleep. Yeah, because he's kind of become the dolphin who's getting sick, right? What did you think about that ending? Lots of a cliffhanger. <laughs> yes. What did you think about the artwork? I like the artwork. Especially at the end? Yeah. I like how they kind of had that shadow. Yes. It's very cool. It's very different kind of artwork, isn't it? Yeah. What did you think about the cover of the book? I like it. It's cute how, like, all of them are, like, riding on delf- dolphins. Though, of course, the dolphins aren't sick in this picture. That's true. That's true. We don't find out that there's pollution until we actually get in the comic book. So, I think the cover's cute. What did you think about the book overall? I liked it. Um, I like how it has Franklin and dolphins because dolphins are cute. <laughs> yes, they are very cute. <laughs> Anything else? I kind of like how they included polluting in here and like they're trying to stop polluting. And I kind of did a little sneak peek in the other book too. (laughs) Well, we're going to have to wait for the rest of that story until next book. But for now, thank you very much for your time, Carrie. Welcome, Daddy. I love you very much. I love you too. Always a pleasure to hear from Carrie, and I love getting her her views on that and what she thought was great and what she thought was not great and what, what... you know, made her kind of sad. I just, I just, I love getting Carrie's opinions on things on that. So thank you so much, Carrie. And now it is time to shout at people. And so we're going to shout at Tim and a few other people, but mostly Tim because he's here. <laughs> mostly me. I know. <laughs> and this is going to be up for episode 61, where we covered power fact number 47 elsewhere. Starting off with Al Sedano and Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Brian G. Charles Gears, who says, I have noticed on page three, Jack is not tripped by Julie's force bubbles, but by the toaster's power cord round around his legs, which Jeff got wrong. Yeah, we know. I'm, I'm willing to uh, concede that one, but I don't think that the uh, bubbles helped. <laughs> <laughs> the illustrious letter writer himself, Charlie Rose, who says, oh, I absolutely adored this issue. The art and story were so much fun and so very clever. Craig McNichol. Damien Druitt Witter. Diana. Ed209, who said, Time for some nuttiness and elsewhere, and Jeff and Rick are there too. Eco Egal. Green Lantern HG, who gave Carrie a Halley trophy for this episode. Hal Jordan. Jeremy Dahl, who writes, Fun to read and gorgeous to look at. This issue really shows the trust that Carl Potts had in the sublime creator, John Bogdanov, to execute such a tale. And John Bogdanov himself, who says, one of my most favorite issues of my whole career. Julie Powerfan. Kyle Sinelli, who writes, I loved this issue back then. The King and Queen were based on Jigs and Maggie from the syndicated comic strip Bringing Up Father, which originated in 1913. Yep, uh, T caught that, Tim caught that as well, and uh, you both get the illustrious You Caught It, We Didn't Award, which is uh, redeemable for nothing. Limax 7. Longbox Crusade with Delvin the Dark Web Williams. Mark O. Rogers. Matthew Fenerer. Sailor Bear Zodar. Scarce at Near Fur. Sean at the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, who says this is my favorite post-Wheezy issue. Just delightful. Somewhat Abnormal. 
And he says, one of my favorite issues just because it's so freaking barmy, but also now that I'm older and technically wiser, the implications of this for the MU, like a lot of pack things, are sadly unexplored. This is just to say, who writes, even as an adult, this issue was weird as heck. Time Prince, the pod keisher. Hey, oh, wait, sorry. Hey. Tim Price, the pod crasher. <laughs> That's better. Worst comic podcast ever with Colin Stapleton. Zach Rabaroff. Now, it was pointed out to us that we should have annotated some of the characters that appeared in this issue. And somebody even said, now forgive me if I missed you guys talking about this, but I expected to hear you mention the identities of the characters in the kingdom, as they're from old comic strips. The king even made a sly reference to King Features, the name of the newspaper comic syndication group. The two guys who bring chairs to Katie Bosco are definitely the stars, Mutt and Jeff. The king and queen oracle I had to look up to verify, but I believe they are Jigs and Maggie from Bringing Up Father. But you know that already, right? Because there's no way I, I caught that, and you didn't. Of course not. That would be inconceivable. Gosh. Whoever the guy who wrote this. Sounds like a genius. You guys have such great fans. You are so lucky to have such intelligent and literate fans listening to I'm your assuming show. I'm attractive as well. I would say so too. Yeah, intelligent, attractive. I don't think your, I don't think your uh, screen is working. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all honesty on that, everybody that listens to us we respect you so much. And if you catch things that we don't or have opinions on things that varies from ours, bring them to us. No, that is wonderful. The fact that, you know, a couple of people, and especially this obviously handsome individual themselves, uh, bringing us such amount of content. I mean, it, it humbles us because it shows how much better we could be. So whoever this mysterious Tim Price person is, thank you. Thank you so much. And it, as you can tell, too, we got a lot of comments about Elsewhere. Elsewhere is a fabulous issue yeah. that a lot of people love and a lot of people hold very dear to their arts. Yeah. But I think we're done talking about this issue, and I also think we're done talking about that issue. Going forward, be sure to check out some of the other shows that we do, including our on-again, off-again junior agent submissions on MI6 Rookie Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, and my new show, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout, on the Longbox Crusade Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Hey, Tim, where can people find you on the interwebs? Well, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on Twitters very easily at TimPrice17. I'm also the regular co-host on the Batgirl Cassandra Kane podcast on the Right On Network. It shares a feed with the Huntress podcast. So you can find us that way in all of your favorite pod, downloading, castering uh, shenanigans. And you can find our website at thehunterspodcast.com. Thank you very much, Tim. Jeff and Merck Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience that is located somewhere equidences between Portland, Oregon and Lexington, Virginia. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Merck Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Merck Present, our email address, Jeff and Merck Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Merck Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com. Jeff and Rick present. All one word. 
We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please, please, please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell all of your friends about us. Find some podcrashers that you like and tell them as well. And share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. My wife Mary and our daughters Ginny and Elaine. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Nightbreak. All music is by Kevin McLeod at CompTech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 no license. It's our song, our theme song. Sounds like something. Whammy bar, Sonic screwdriver. Okay. <laughs> Just pull out every little bit of Chotsky that you've bought. That's exterminate. <laughs> I now have all of these nice little toys that I can just grab off the wall, and it is wonderful. Exterminate. I'm in the middle of meeting, and, and I'm not liking where the meeting's going. And all of a sudden, I got a sword, and I'm like, "Listen, I've got something I need to say." They're going, "Are you? What are you holding? Nothing." A stabber, <laughs> obviously. Rumble. Hillary Barter. Barda. Yeah, I added an extra letter. Hillary Barter. <sighs> Again. <clears throat> I've only said this name like 65 yeah. times. You'd think that I'd know it by now. Rumble. It seems that Alex has been looking at some news re- <laughs> If you're not going to do it right, don't do it at all, Rick. That's <laughs> drinking, actually. I shouldn't have drank right before that one. Rumble. Insert Price is Right noise. I've only heard this joke all of my life. It's so great. I'm so glad it still makes people laugh. And you're leaning into And my murdering, murder, 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 murder is on the way. I'm changing my name to Stab. Rumble. I will spare you the torment of these words as anyone who has cried. But after all the changing has occurred, they head to the beach, only to find it... What was I thinking? I went right off the rails. Yeah, just I saw like it there, like... and I just kept the, the, the pier was there, and it's like, the bridge is up, and... Look, the GPS said take a right and drive down the pier and keep going straight, and that's how you get to England. Yeah, don't get old, guys. Here we go. <laughs> Working on it. Too late. Rumble. But even though it may be a mystery, the number of cetacean beaches... Blah! Beachers. Beaches. Beachings. Beaches. Beachings. Did you ever know that you're my hero? Sorry. Oh. <laughs> All right. You know, continue. I want to hear. I like music. Okay. <laughs> then we'll all sing along. It's good. All right, all right. No, I'm going to get back to this. All right. Like all, like oh, all. Sorry, that's yours. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, hey. No, let's all do My that. My bad. It's all of our line. <laughs> all of us together. All of us in just a jumble. Rumble. And now we get into the dark part of the book. Because it is night, the pages are mostly done in black, and it is a big. Da. I was doing so well there. What the heck? We'll, we'll fix it in post. Right, You'll sound like a. Yeah, hero. That's all right. 
Sucks. That's what that's what the editor's for, right? Exactly. Oh, I want to. So I want to throw one I'm more the talent. I don't have to. Wor- <clears throat> yeah. Why does I have to worry about yeah. this sort of stuff? I'll be in my trailer until this is written better. 